0: You can open up to 1 John 4, 1 John 4, verse 8. We continue our attributes, study the attributes of God. This morning, we'll look at love and grace. Before we begin, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, with thanksgiving, uh, we come before you and praise your holy name and Thank you for this series. We could go on forever in studying your attributes. It's very humbling to consider parts of your greatness. Help us to understand more this morning, we pray, and prepare us for worship as a body joined together here. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Last time we considered God's righteousness, justice, and wrath. Um, that from out of his holiness, God is holy, 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 come two other attributes. Though d- distinct, as we pointed out, function as branches of God's holiness. Um, there is the branch or arm that is referred to as legislative or the governing branch that is God's righteousness. There is the judicial branch, which is God's justice, and then from out of that comes His wrath, um, a, a tributary of holy, righteous righteousness. Justice, the wrath of God. God is holy. God is glorious. He is great and greatly to be praised. He is eternal. He is self-existent. He is omnipresent. He is forever good. He is unchanging. God is sovereign, who decrees everything that comes to pass. And this morning... (laughs) within the panoply of attributes that make up God's nature, we want to look at his, his love and his grace this morning. If you look at John, 1 John 4, verse 8, we read quite simply, God is love. Um, last time um, I said that you know we can speak of divine wrath as a function of divine love. Remember that? We can speak of divine wrath as a function of divine love in that God's wrath is a result of his love for holiness, righteousness, truth, and justice. And, and yet, it is finite, sinful creatures, um, limited as we are in our scope, Our problem, um, in part with regard to wrath and love, is that in our minds, they exist independently of one another. Wrath and love. We, We put them in, you know, mutually exclusive compartments. We typically think that love drives out wrath, and wrath drives out love. And along with much American evangelicalism comes many cliches, numerous cliches. One of the most repeated is that God hates the sin but loves the sinner. Um, There is a small element of truth in that. There's a small element of truth there. Um, Though it is true that God has nothing but hate for the sin... It would be wrong to conclude that God has nothing but hate for the sinner. Nevertheless, the the cliché should be abandoned. Fourteen times in the first 50 psalms alone, we're told that God hates the sinner. His wrath is on the liar, he hates the evildoer, he hates the wicked, and so on. Scripture tells us that the wrath of God rests upon both the sin and the sinner. Romans chapter 1 and John chapter 3 verse 36. Okay, so how then should the love of God and the wrath of God be understood to relate to one another? That's the question. We concluded last time that if you wish to see the greatest expression of God's love, you look to the cross. You want to see the greatest expression of God's wrath? You look to the cross. It is Christ on the cross where it's where God's love, hate, wrath, and peace all intersect on the glorious cross. Now, almost everyone is happy to say, um, you know, God is love so long as you leave it um, in a universal basic kind of definition, although he loves all mankind, he does not love all man in the same way, all men, all women, all mankind in the same way, amen? He does not. So considering God's love, understanding that love is not all that he is, we must break down what love is biblically that's what we're going to do this morning. Um, God is the source um, and the sustainer of all love. So the first category of love that we want to focus in on briefly is God's love within himself. God's love for himself. God is love, and that's what we would call um, intra-Trinitarian love. He is the starting point. Of the necessity for all love, God's love within Himself. That is love rooted in the Trinitarian nature of our Lord. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. The Holy Spirit loves the Father and the Son. Jesus, His entire ministry, His earthly ministry, He was led by the, the Spirit whom He loves. Look at First John 5, verse 20. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all, th- all things that he himself is doing. John 14, 31. So that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Let us rise and go from here. Jesus goes on to say, and he heads towards the cross out of love for the Father. John 17, 24, Jesus, in the high priestly prayer, he says, Father, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. So before there was any creature to love, God was still perfect love and perfectly loved the members of the Trinity mutually. God is love. God loves himself, for he is perfect, divine, divine. Love. Father, Son, Son, Father. Spirit loves the Father and the Son and so on. Now that leads us to God's love for all of humanity. God loves his image bearers. We said a few weeks ago that God's goodness is manifested by way of what? What kind of grace? Common grace. God loves all of his creatures Um, The love of God um, as creator towards these, his creatures, made in his image, um, shows itself by way of providential kindness, mercy, his long-suffering. It's a love that is indiscriminate. He loves all men in general. So universally, he grants them um, physical blessings and even spiritual blessings, short of salvation itself. There are certain aspects of God's character that we even see in in fallen creatures that are unregenerate according to his common grace. So that kind of love is extended to all mankind. As J.I. Packer puts it, God loves all men in some ways and some men in all ways. Again, God loves all men in some ways, and some men in all ways. John 3.16, we read, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. So now often, um, John 3.16, the interpretation of that verse begins with an emphasis on the word what? World. World. An emphasis on the word world. But let me say this, rarely in the Bible does the word world mean the entire population of, of history on this planet. Yet many assume that that verse means God so loved all the world, that is that he loved them in the same way without exception. That he gave his only begotten son to die for each and every one of them. Now, is that what John had in mind by way of divine inspiration when he penned that verse? Of course not. Or all the world would be saved without exception. God so loved the world that he Gave, his only son, is not talking about atonement made for the world without exception. God so loved, so it's not an adverb of degree as it is as much an adverb of manner. God so loved. John is declaring the manner and magnitude of God's love by entering this sin-ridden world. So the world in John 3.16 is describing a, a God-hating, rebellious, anti-God humanity into which God incarnate entered. The second person of the Godhead entered this world so the world that did not love god the world that was in opposition to god the world that did not recognize the messiah christ entered i mean this john 3:16 is the juxtaposition of john 1 he came unto his own and his own did not they did not know him and yet he revealed his love in an unparalleled way by giving his son sending his son and that is to say that is the magnitude with which god loved the world the world that he came into he loved without distinction he enters this world because of his love a god hating world now from 1 john or no 1 timothy 4 verse 10 comes that provocative statement that says, look at it, God is the savior of all men, especially those who who believe. Now, universalists grab hold of that, and they say, see, God saves all men. Well, not in a salvific sense, does he. So in what sense does Paul mean there that God is savior of all men? Quite simply, in a physical and temporal sense. He does not pour out his wrath on sinners when they deserve it. He withholds that wrath. He withholds his justice withheld from all sinners. The moment we deserve it, or there would be no one. Amen? So this is what Paul means when he says in Romans chapter 2, this is the patience and forbearance of God that should lead you to what? Repentance. The forbearance of God that should lead to repentance. God's love for mankind in that sense is revealed by his constant warnings, Old Testament, New Testament, throughout redemptive history, we see God's warnings time and time again. So this is an unqualified, unconditional love, not salvific. It's what is known as the common love of God to mankind. Shown. Indiscriminately. So God's general love towards his creatures as creatures includes all men made in his image, whether reprobate or elect. God's common or general love. This kind of love is shown even to his enemies. Okay, thus the command of our Lord Jesus Christ that demonstrates this truth. Look at it, Matthew chapter five, verse 44. I say to you, love your enemies, says our Lord Jesus Christ. Pray for those who persecute you in order that you may be sons of your father. Who is in heaven. In other words, never are you more like God than when you show love to your enemies. So this is common love. What we're talking about, common love demonstrated by way of common grace, defined in the New Testament. Um, I think I got this from New Testament Bible Dictionary. It says, quote common grace defined as god's gracious activity immediately or through secondary causation by which he sustains creation restrains evil enables excellence in the arts and sciences and maintains a decent and orderly society end of quote so here's grace according to god's goodness manifested to the ill deserving No one deserves the common goodness or kindness of God. God loves, in other words, those who don't love him. He shows common love, general love to those who hate him, uh, manifested in earthly, physical, temporal fashion, by way of the sunshine, sending rain on the wicked as well as the righteous, and so on. God loves all men in some ways. Amen? Okay? Okay? God loves all men in some ways. He particularly loves some people from throughout the world, but not all men from throughout the world does he love particularly. This is special grace. So this now is the category of salvific grace. That was common grace. That was the common love of God. Here now, the salvific, special love of God, those whom he chooses to love in a covenantal way. This is the covenant love of almighty God. This is love of God that is complete, salvific, and therefore eternal. That's how he loves you, Christian. Look at Jeremiah, chapter 31, verse 2. I will be the God of all the families of the earth. All the families of Israel, rather. Thus says the Lord. The people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. Israel, when it went to find its rest, the Lord appeared to him from afar, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness." Loving kindness. So this language, I will be their God, they will be my people, that's covenant love language. This is the love he has for you, beloved. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the love he has for you. Now, in this was said to a people who had gone through the fires of chastening by the same God who loves them. Look at Micah, chapter 7. I do not have this. Who is a God like you who pardons iniquity and passes over the rebellious act of the remnant of his possession? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in unchanging love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. Yes, you will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. You will give truth to Jacob and unchanging love to Abraham, which you swore to our fathers from the days of old. So the prophet here in Micah he is dealing with a rebellious stiff-necked people a, call- a calloused people okay and he, he, in other words he is not dealing with inherently lovely or lovable people you and i are not inherently lovely and lovable with regards to almighty god no sinner is inherently lovely but notice, he does not retain his anger forever because he delights in unchanging love. said, loving kindness. The loving kindness of God. This is the loyal love of God. Not general love, the loyal covenantal love. He, we read, will have compassion on us. So this love is not mere Merely a feeling. This love is committed love. He delights, notice, in loving his people. He delights in loving you. You're in Christ. He delights in loving you. He does not take joy in his anger. God does not delight in the destruction of the wicked. Amen? Does he destroy the wicked? Yes, but we we, we don't read that he delights in destroying the wicked. But he does delight in is unchanging love for his people. Does that mean all people? Without exception? Of course not. This is the covenantal, loyal love of God for his people from throughout redemptive history. Unchanging love. He promised Abraham. Descendants, like the sand of the sea, like the stars of heaven, were included in that promise. His love is unchanging. He does not delight in loving us because we're lovable or lovely. He is love. And then his love transforms us. He initiates the love of relationship and within us it produces a love, a reciprocal love for him. We love him because he first loved us. He remembers your sins no more. And we read that he delights to do that, which glorifies his name. This is grace, unmerited favor, that glorifies almighty God, and then we reciprocate that love. So his covenant love grants the sinner grace. Love and grace. This is his grace. God extends his grace to some of mankind for salvation and sanctification. He extends this grace to some of mankind for salvation and sanctification, undeserved favor to those who are no less hell-deserving than the ones who do not receive such grace and love. No less deserving are we than they. This is grace that is saving grace. Look at Acts chapter 15 verse 11. This is grace that is saving, this is gospel grace granted to sinners throughout the nations without distinction. Not without exception, but without distinction. Remember this from Acts 15, verse 11. But we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way as they also are. Context, we believe that we, the Jews, are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in the same way as they, the Gentiles, are. Remember that? It's all grace. This is grace that is free. Paid for entirely through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Look at Romans chapter 3, verse 24. Being justified is a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace... You have been saved through faith, and that, not of yourselves, but it is a gift. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may what? Boast. It's grace. Loyal love. Loyal covenant love. From out of that comes this grace. Grace that is eternal. Purpose for God's elect. Second Timothy 1, verse 9. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. So here's God's love, here's God's grace, dispensed according to his ultimate sovereign determination. Grace that is according to God's divine election. God sets his love on you. He set his love on you before the foundation of the world. That is the concept known as the foreknowledge of God, the foreknown love of God. He determined to love you. He determined to set his love upon you salvifically, and there's nothing in us to compel him to do this for us. Romans 9. Before Jacob or Esau did anything to to either commend or disqualify themselves, so to speak, God said, Jacob I have loved, Esau I have hated. So God freely, apart from us, sets his love upon us. A.W. Pink concurs concerning the statement, Jacob I have loved and Esau I have hated. He writes, quote, there was no more reason in Jacob why he should be the object of divine love, then there was an Esau. They both had the same parents, were born at the same time, being twins, neither one had done anything good or evil, yet God loved the one and hated the other. Why? Because it pleased him to do so. End of quote. Totally, freely, freely, Within himself, in eternity past, he sets his love upon us gracefully. Gracefully. A committed love in Christ, whereby in time, he draws us with loving kindness. That's what he did with you what he did with me. That is loyal covenant love. According to God's eternal, we looked at it last week or week before, decree. His decreed will was to set his love on you. This is his loving kindness, God's love, God's grace. Now, grace that is unmerited did nothing to deserve this, nothing to earn this. Grace that is unmerited is also grace that is mediated, mediated grace, exclusively through Christ. Look at Romans 5, verse 15. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, the many died. That's Adam. But much more did the grace of God and the gift of the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. 1 Timothy 2 verse 5, there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. John 1 verse 17, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. So grace that is unmerited is grace that is mediated. There is but one, and that is God the Son. So grace that saves is grace that sanctifies and grace that strengthens the redeemed. First Corinthians 15, look at it. But by the grace of God, writes Paul, I am what I am. Okay, this is a man who persecuted his church. This, is, this man was a murderer. This is a man who was en route to arrest Christians Jesus arrests him, transforms him, get up, it will be told you what to do. Remember that. It is by grace, the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. He didn't labor to earn anything. He labored... As a response to this abounding grace in the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. He has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. This is the grace of strengthening we all need. Boy, do I. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in what? Those who do their best? And God will do the rest? (laughs) For power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. So his grace provides divine enablement to do the will and to do the work of God. Acts 4, verse 33... And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant what? Grace was upon them all. Abundant grace. 2 Timothy 2, verse 1. You therefore, my son, be strong, Timothy, writes Paul Paul, to Timothy. he, He says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. This grace is far-reaching, far-reaching grace. Titus chapter 2, verse 11, for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all men. That is all men without distinction. All kinds of men, all kinds of women, from all kinds of places, the grace of God reaches. Okay, so, why did God not choose to love everyone like that. Anybody know? No, you do not, nor do I. No human being can answer that question. Salvation is all of grace, salvation is all of God with sovereign grace, without rather sovereign grace, everyone would be eternally lost. You take away the sovereign grace of God, the God who shows his loving kindness to some, all will be hellbound and eternally lost. But God. Spiritual life must come from God, because we are all what? Flatline, dead. You were dead in your transgressions and sins, but God made us alive in Christ Jesus. Regeneration is the sole solitary work of God who's sovereign and shows his love to some by way of grace that gives them life eternal, everlasting life. Why he withholds it from some, I have no idea. It pleases him, though, to do so. Don't leave that out, beloved. Ephesians 2 says, this love gives life. This special love, this loyal love of God gives life. This is the love that forgives sinners. This is the love that promises eternal glory. This is the love that grants us kindness, Out of his kindness, we bear the fruit of kindness, and it results in righteous behavior, all because of the love of God, all because of the grace of God. It's all grace. Now, in eternity future, you know, we think, well, how limited is this love? You know, I I see the world, it seems to be filled with more unbelievers than it does believers. Well, you know, we're given a picture shown to us in the Revelation that those numbered among the redeemed is 144,000. Is that a literal number? No, it's apocalyptic. That's not a literal number, it's a figure that represents the completeness of God's redeemed who've been shown the loving kindness of God, who've been shown the abounding grace of God. It's 12 times 12 times 10 times 10 times 10. A people from throughout the ages, from the four corners of the earth, called in by God. Now that's the number John heard in Revelation 7, 144,000. That's what I heard, said John, but then I, then I turned and I looked, and this is what I saw. A people Myriads upon myriads of people, an innumerable number who have been sealed by the redeeming love of God, the grace of God from every nation, tribe, and tongue. The redeemed, which is to say, from election to glorification. Grace reigns. The grace of God reigns. John chapter one, verse 16 says, we receive grace upon grace, which literally means grace facing grace. Grace facing grace. We might say grace laminated to grace grace upon grace from election to glorification so grace is the divine principle and prerogative upon which almighty god saves us manifested in election calling and regeneration he chose you in eternity past in time he regenerated your soul So that when he called, you came. You responded. Grace upon grace. And then, through that, he divinely enables us to heed the call. Amen? To come to Christ. So that we might live, that we might suffer, and die for his sake, preserved by God, For eternity. That's the love of God. That's the grace of God. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your loving kindness, mercy shown to us, to call us, regenerate us, saving us, sealing us, sanctifying us, glorifying us, all according to grace because of your unchanging love. We thank you and we praise you. Let us be mindful of the cost of such love on the tree where your love and your wrath meet perfectly, your hate, your love, wrath, peace, because of the one you sent to bear it all and to give it all, his name we praise, Jesus, amen.